Hey everybody, welcome to Renewing the Center. It is great to be with you today. Uh, I'm going to read a passage from Luke 4. So we're just, right now, the lectionary in the Anglican Book of Common Prayer just has us flying right through the book of Luke, which I think is really fitting to be in the early ministry and life of Jesus as we move closer and closer to Advent. I'll read verses 31 to 44, then we'll pray, then we're just going to see what we can see. And he went down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and as he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done no harm. And all were amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases, brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went to a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him, and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for that purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we pray and we ask you, Lord, to help us to see through the ministry and life of Jesus how you work in our own lives right now as you seek renewal in us and for us. Pray, God, that we would be attentive to you as we move toward this Advent season, that you would open up our hearts and our eyes to see Jesus what you're doing and who you are and what you would say to us and how you want to work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So just a few things to note here as you are navigating your way through your day. Uh, number one, this is a passage ultimately about the authority and power of Jesus. Uh, we're told that his word carried power. We're told that he has power over demonic power and spirits. We're told that he has power over physical ailment and ailment. So his words, his spiritual power, and his ability to bring healing to physical brokenness. And I just think that one of the most important things for us to consider as we read a passage like this is just frankly, do we believe it? Uh, do you believe that Jesus is powerful, that he possesses authority? Um, I think that if we're not careful, we run the risk of having such a sophisticated worldview that we discount the supernatural, that we cease believing in the spirit world and the supernatural. And when we do that, I think we open ourselves up to being plundered by the enemy. Um, and when I, I use that word on purpose, the enemy, I believe that we have an adversary. I believe that we have an enemy of our souls. And one of the great strategies of the enemy is to get you to not believe in him, to think educated, uh, smart, sophisticated people, shouldn't believe in such things. Many years ago, C.S. Lewis wrote a brilliant and imaginative book called The Screwtape Letters, and it's a book about communication between demonic spirits, and it's kind of a funny book. I mean, Lewis uses 
humor to actually make a pretty compelling point, which is that one of the strategies of those demons in that book was to get people like you and me to think that if we can't believe in little red elves with tights and forked tongues and horns and a pitchfork, if we can't believe in that, a kind of cartoon image of evil, then we can't believe in the devil. And I think that actually is a very effective strategy of the enemy to, to paint such a caricature, a kind of ridiculous or absurd picture of a cartoonish figure and then get us to say, well, if I can't, can't give assent to that, then I just shouldn't believe in all this stuff. One of the things we see in the Gospels over and over again is that Jesus has power over the spiritual realm and we live as spiritual beings uh, affected and impacted by the spiritual realm on a daily basis. And one of the things we see in a passage like this is that Jesus has something to say about your spiritual health and well-being. He wants you to be free, that he has authority and power. And so I think it's just really important for us to hold those ideas in our hearts. Do I believe Jesus has authority? Do I believe that he should and needs to have authority over the spirit world? as it affects me on a daily basis. I think many of us are affected by spiritual forces and realities, and we may not even be aware of it. But just because you're not aware of it doesn't mean it's not happening. So backing up a little bit, do we see God in Jesus as having authority to lay claim to our lives, to direct us? And specifically, do we believe that Jesus has come to bring freedom to us? And I believe that this freedom that he comes to bring can happen in a number of ways. I've actually been powerfully impacted through moments of intentional prayer where people sensed that there was something spiritual, a kind of heaviness or an oppression, and they laid hands on me and they prayed for freedom and freedom came. I've also experienced the work of Jesus manifest more slowly in my life where I felt an invitation from Jesus to change my trajectory, my choices, my point of emphasis in the way I was thinking about things, myself, life, my job, all of that stuff. And I watched myself change incrementally over time. So I've seen supernatural kind of sudden change and I've also seen incremental change. I believe in both. One of the things that I want to tell you in this space is that um, I feel more free concerning how I interface with my work as a pastor than I have at other times in my life. I care a whole lot less about um, my job <laughs> than I used to care. And that might sound alarming, especially to some of you who um, you know, go to my church or vestry members that think, wait a minute, is that means mailing, mailing it in over here? No, I think I actually used to care too much. I think that I was too enmeshed with my work. And uh, there were times where I, I didn't know where I began and it began or I ended and it began. One of the things Jesus has done in terms of directing my life and one of the ways he's exercised his authority is to actually create more clarity around where I end and my work begins. Um, allowed me to just hold it more lightly and I think for me, when I entered burnout a couple of years ago, I, I realized I was an addicted person. I was addicted to helping and healing. And those things had been a part of the shadow in my life for a while. But the pandemic and all that went with the pandemic, right, all the political division and strife, the racial reckoning, all of that basically put and poured an accelerant on my shadow, on tendencies, and one of the things that Jesus has done is he's directed my life away from that shadow consistently over the last few years. 
Now, in certain moments over the last few years, I've had specific and intense spiritual interventions, some through conversations, some through prayer, some through me with Jesus and journaling, where I felt Jesus pulling the shadow away from me and showing me that that's not who I am, that I'm not a pastor. I'm a Christian who happens to be a pastor. Uh, I'm a child of God who is a pastor by my vocational pathway. And I just think that Jesus has brought freedom to me in a way that has been really, really powerful. And some of it's been supernatural and intense and quick. And some of it has been a long obedience a kind of reckoning over time. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of the things I love about this passage is after we see that Jesus is full of power, he goes to Peter's mother-in-law, her house. She's sick. He heals her, and then she re-engages in service. And it's just awesome because when God heals, he heals us so that we can become who we're meant to be. And when I think about my own life, I think I'm meant to be a person who serves and and loves Jesus and loves other people. And when he brings healing to us, he actually doesn't make us someone other than what we were. He re-engages us with who we're really meant to be. And she gets up and she starts to serve. She does what she was meant to do in that space. He puts her back in the game. And I just wonder for you and me, like where is God looking to heal us so that we can re-engage our life with him? I just have this sense as I sit here in my office that some of you listening to this maybe feel sidelined. You feel like something was good and then something got sideways and now you're wondering if you have a way forward, if there's some usefulness for you. And I just want to say the healing work of God is always to re-engage us. It's always to put us back into play. We see it over and over again. We see it with the disciples in the upper room on Pentecost. We see it with uh, Moses in the back end of nowhere where he had been running the wrong way and God re-engaged him through the burning bush over and over and over again. We see God engage, heal, and then re-engage. He wants you to be useful to him in the same way that Peter's mother-in-law was useful. And the way this passage ends is so beautiful. Um, as the sun begins to set, the needs begin to grow. Jesus heals, he's got authority, he's got power, and after healing Peter's mother-in-law, it's like as if every person with every malady and disease in town just shows up at the door, and Jesus, it says, lays his hands on people, which is telling. He doesn't just speak words, he actually touches people. He moves through the brokenness, across the boundary of space, and he touches people, and he brings healing, and it's like one after another, after another, after another. It's probably a relentless night. I mean, we're meant to imagine just like overwhelming need, surrounded by need. And then what does Jesus do at the end? We're told that he retreats to a desolate place early in the morning. He goes away from people after being with people. And this is an area where I think a lot of us need to learn a thing or two. Jesus understood the need for engagement and retreat, engagement and retreat, advance, retreat, advance, retreat. His life was not a constant engagement. It was not a constant advance, nor was it a constant retreat. There was a flow, a back and forth, a rhythm to his life that also needs to be present in our lives. So where does he have you right now? Are you prone in your personality toward engagement? I'm a go, 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 do, do, do. Or Based on your personality, are you more of a retreatant, a, a, an escape from people to be in nature, to be alone? 
Neither of those tendencies are bad, but they must be balanced with the other. Jesus did both, and he calls all of us to do both. I think before you can live a balanced rhythm of engagement and retreat, you have to know what your default assumption is. So for me, it's to just go, do work, be with people, output, output, output. And if I'm not careful, if I don't retreat on purpose, I'll look up and find myself worn out, cynical, exhausted. One of the tips for me when I'm out of balance is I know that when I'm not doing well, I begin to fail to believe the best about people. I begin to be suspicious about people wanting to take from me or to deplete me. And then I realize, oh, I haven't been in a place of retreat with God for a while. Maybe you are prone to retreat. Um, If you're not careful, that'll result in loneliness and isolation. And so intentionality around engagement, that might be the invitation for you. For me, it's intentionality around disengagement. We have to know our tendencies in order to strive for balance. And one of the things I love about Jesus in this passage is he knows when he needs to be away from people so that when he's with people, he can really be with them. I think there's a reason why Jesus, when he was surrounded by need, would just hang in all night long because he knew that he was going to be away from people shortly. Now, it's telling that the needs go find him. Even when he goes at this passage to be away, people hunt him down. (laughs) They want to keep him in play. And I just tell you, one way or the other, you've got to fight for balance in your life. One of the keys to renewal is cultivating balance, balance around retreat and engagement. God bless you. Go in peace.